Hey, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Pretty good, actually. Nice. Got like seven and a half hours straight of what? sleep. What happened? You don't have your kids? I feel amazing. Are they gone? You shipped them off to China? Yes. To make Happy Meal toys? Whoa, it just got dark. I'm sorry. What? Wait, are you implying that they're like child labor working to make Happy Meal toys? Or that the yeah. children themselves were made into Happy Meal toys? Oh, no, no, no. Child labor. Oh, okay. That was my implication. <laughs> wow. This is awful. Okay. This is great. To start off. But no, we did not ship our children off. No. Our daughter just slept seven and a half hours straight last night. Nice. Pretty amazing. Decided to actually sleep. What up? She was all bundled up. <laughs> yeah, it's actually cold. Austin cold. Yeah, what is Austin which cold? Which means it's like 50? 60 degrees. Six. <laughs> what? It's 60 degrees? No. Oh, I don't know. It's probably colder than that right now. But okay. I was about to say, like, 60 degrees is nothing. 60 degrees feels good. Not that it doesn't feel good, but whatever. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Yep. Well, that's fun. So you're nice and rested. Mm-hmm. Ready for a new day yep. of, I don't know. I don't know what you have planned today. Well, you're going to have to take the car since it's raining. So, yeah. so we're stuck inside all day long. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, well, yeah, like you said, it's raining. <coughs> so you can't exactly go outside. I mean, I guess you could go for a walk if you want well, to get Well, it's cold and it's raining, yeah. And we're all still getting over a cold, so. Probably not a good idea. Google says it's 41 degrees. 41 degrees and raining. That's quite a bit cooler than, yeah, that's cold in Austin. That is cold in Austin, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, what, nine degrees away from freezing? Yep, that's true. That's true. We're Americans. We do the Fahrenheit thing. Nine degrees away. Yeesh. Sounds like a, I don't know, movie title or a poem or a song or something. I mean, there's a band called 98 Degrees. No, no, not them. (laughs) Nine degrees from freezing. Actually, that sounds more like what a teenager would think is really poetic. Do I have the mind of a teenager? I don't know. You once did. Whatever. That's true. It was once a teenage mind. Ten years ago, on this very day. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I don't know what I'm seeing anymore. Um, But, yeah. You'll be 29 soon. Yep. Coming up, quick. Just a few more weary days and then... I don't know what the next part of that song is. I know it's like a gospel song. Um, can't think of it. I don't know what is up with me. I got too much sleep. Oh no! <laughs> yep, twenty nine on the nineteenth. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's gonna happen. It's a thing. I've put absolutely no thought into <laughs> what's going to happen on that day. 
Sorry, I'm so focused on the end of the school semester. Yeah, I was about to ask I'm you. Like, so, what has, what have you been up to? What have I been up to, man? All kinds of stuff. No, lots, lots of school. So this is the last week of school. Um, I will be done Monday. Next Monday is the last day that I have to submit my final projects. Um, which in one class should be pretty simple. I'm sure I can get that done pretty easily, probably before the week is over. Um, but then there's a final paper that I need to finish up that, uh, been meaning to get to. It's been kind of difficult with all the other things. Everything just always takes me longer than I kind of allot time for. So I'm like, oh, I have a paper to write. Okay. I'll give myself two hours. Then five hours later, I'm like, okay, I'm done. What's next? <laughs> So that's always fun. Maybe that's a little exaggerated, but still. Um, but yeah, I'm excited that it's the end of the semester. I enjoy my classes, but at the same time, I'm glad. Um, or I'm excited for things to kind of slow down a little bit in yeah, that I mean, front. It's a responsibility that'll be lifted. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. I also learned that um, taking two eight-week courses at a time does not fit into my life very well. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, I don't want to continue to do a full-time course load while I'm working full-time. It's not very conducive to, I don't know, a proper, sounds so new agey, but like rhythm of life. Um, so I, in that, in that sense, I am excited for the semester to be over, but yeah. That's fun. <laughs> and it's crazy. The year's almost over. December. I know. 2017. And it went by so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was going to make a joke about President Trump. But that, me too. <laughs> I was going to be like, thanks, Trump, for making the year go by so fast. <laughs> All the things that he's done as the president of the free world. No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't want to. I don't want to throw him under the bus. He's done that by himself very well. Words, man. Can't do words. <laughs> I don't know what's up. How about you? What you been up to, huh? While I'm doing school. Momming. Momming. Oh, yeah. It's been a rough few weeks of momming. It has momming sick and kids. Popping. <laughs> what? Mamas and the Papas, is that what you're talking about? Anyways. Um, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ollie was sick, and then Josie and I got sick, and it's, it's taken her longer to get over it than it, than Ollie and I, but <clears throat> she's at the tail end of it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, Cough I'm, is almost gone, so. Yeah, it's been, it's been different things. Like, Ollie was mostly a runny nose for a while, even after he felt bad. But then with Josie, it's been this cough after she felt bad. But she, if she felt bad, she, like, never showed it. Because she was all smiles and happy and playing around, and then she'd cough up a lung. She just, just always is. And just keep being happy and smiley. And it's awesome. She's like the happiest baby ever. I love it. I love it. That's my daughter. 
But yeah, so we're effectively in like the third week of Broccolo sickness, funk in yeah, the house. Yeah, something like that. Um, it wasn't very intense, except only for the first couple days. When you first got it, that's when it all kind of like was at its peak yeah. of people feeling bad. But the fog has not fully lifted. There's still been, like we said, the cough, the runny nose, all that fun stuff. I'm sure you yeah. guys are super interested. I mean, I feel much, much, much better. Um, but then, of course, now it's like cold and rainy. And so even though I'm feeling better, we still can't go outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if. I don't know. Something that y'all may not know about me is that I'm I'm kind of an extrovert. I guess I'm a little of both, but mostly I'm an extrovert. I like having my time to myself, but I would prefer to be out and among people. Mm-hmm. And that's why you had kids. Yeah, that's why I had kids. Anyways. So you could be around people all the time. <laughs> Little people who don't think logically. But yeah, even if I'm like, even if I'm sick, I mean, I can spend like maybe two days in the house and then I'm like, I need to get out of here. I have to get out of this house. Get me out. Um. So yeah. And I mean, usually our outings are just like, I don't know, go to the trail for a walk or go walk around at Target or <laughs> go to Disneyland. Go- yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Sorry, I'm in a weird mood this morning. <laughs> you are. Um, or, you know, go to the grocery store. Those are those are my mom places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twofold. You get <laughs> chores done. And you get to get out of the house. Yep. And you get other people like, uh, what's the word? Fawning over your children. They do. Because they're super cute. (laughs) They are super cute. Yesterday we went to the grocery store. And, well, first of all, it was cold. So I had them all bundled up with coats. And Josie was wearing a little hat, and she was super cute. I took a picture, but it's on my phone, which she's using right now as a white noise machine, so I can't show you. But um, oh, sorry, listeners, you can't see. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I was talking to my husband right there. <laughs> which I mean, I'm looking at him and talking, so I'm talking to him the whole time. Anyways, uh, but yeah. I mean, a- anyone who passed by was just like, look at the baby. Oh, she's so cute. And she's such an extrovert. Like, anytime anyone looks at her, she just, like, smiles from ear to ear. Mm-hmm. With her little two-toothed grin. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Everyone was just like, oh, out. my goodness. Look at the baby. She's so cute. Look at that smile. She's so cute. You have two cute beautiful babies I'm like thank you <laughs> how did ollie take it he would either 
he would either smile or he would go like, eh, like really? not, not want them to talk to him. <laughs> I'm like, stop it. <laughs> oh my gosh. You did that sound perfectly. and just reminded me of him. He is our child. So it makes sense. Yeah. And you're with him all the time. <laughs> He's your oh my goodness. best friend. Should tell him what he did last night. Oh, <laughs> it's probably not going to come off that well. Um, but in the moment, it was freaking hilarious. Um, so we just kind of like, he, he went down pretty late last night. We were all just kind of chilling. I wasn't feeling too well. And I usually put him down for the night. So anyways, it was pretty late. He wasn't that tired. He was playing around with toys and stuff like that. So I turned to him. Uh, and usually he's pretty good about going to sleep when he's tired. Like he just kind of gives up and he's like, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, let's go read a book. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go to sleep. Like, yeah, we were all pretty just amazing, sitting actually. on the floor and playing. So, mm-hmm. and he was looking at a book and Ollie, if you know him is like amazing at using the side eye, which is so <laughs> weird. A two year old is just like looking out the side of his eyes at things. He just looks so unimpressed. <laughs> So uh, I, I finally get up the, the muster to be like, okay, it's time to go to bed. Like, it's pretty late. It's past your bedtime. We need to go to bed. So I just tell him, okay, Ollie, it's time for night. Tell mommy and Josie that it's time for night. And uh, he puts down, or he looks at his book, and then he gives me the side eye. And he just says, uh, okay. <laughs> and it was so funny. But it sounded like this, like, teenage boy being like okay (laughs) like (laughs) just coming out of a two-year-old two going on 12 like what is happening right now and because he was still pretty energetic playing with his toys it was such a contrast it's not like he was moping around at all he was just um but did it sounded like an emo teenager being like oh okay (laughs) It was so fun. He's been doing this thing. I don't know where he got it. Obviously, he got it from one of his parents, but I don't know. I don't know where. But he's been doing the this side thing. eye. Well, I'm pretty sure he got the side eye from me. Not the side eye necessarily, but just his use of um before he says before he replies. Oh yeah, he's been doing that a lot. He'll go um sure if you ask him a question. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure he got that from you. Uh, probably. I mean, I'm. I can be indecisive. Because usually when I ask, if I ask you if you want something, you're like, um, sure. Okay. So I'm pretty sure he got that from you. He's been doing it a lot. Yeah. But this one was really funny. (laughs) Because usually, yeah, usually he kind of like moves upward. Um, sure. Yeah. With a happiness. But this was just totally like monotone and low voice. Um. Okay. Okay. And then we just like cracked up for like a few minutes. Yeah. And he loved it. (laughs) And he loved it. I was trying to impersonate him, but every time I would imagine it again, I just kept laughing. So super funny. You love hearing about our kids, don't you? (laughs) I love talking about my kids. They're hilarious little human beings. They are. Oh my goodness. They are characters, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've got quite the strange little household. I love them. We're we're broccolos. <laughs> we're broccolos, man. It's 
what we but, do. Yeah. I mean, with us as their parents, they really didn't have a chance. They were doomed from the start. Yeah. Doomed. Have you watched anything cool lately? Oh, oh man. you watched that, that documentary last night. Yeah. Is that a documentary? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Man, okay, so that that's weird. Jim, Jim and Andy. Jim and Andy, the the something story of blah 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 with Tony Clifton, blah blah blah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's got a huge subtitle, and it's intentionally, you know, subversive because that's the type of comedy that uh, Andy Kaufman did. Oh man! So for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a documentary on Netflix. It is a documentary about the making of a movie. Um. So it's Man on pretty, the Moon? Yeah. Which is a biopic of... Andy Kaufman. Is it, is it biopic or biopic? I'd always heard it biopic, but I've recently been hearing people say biopic. I mean, biopic would make more sense. Yeah, that's Because it's a biography... Picture. picture. Motion picture. Yeah. Roll the cameras for the motion picture event of the century. All right, all right. Hear ye, hear ye. Oh, my gosh. Boss gone seven years ago. See? <laughs> <laughs> the sad sack of potatoes. <laughs> um, mm, sorry. We're awake this morning? I guess. What? I don't okay. know. Uh, so, biopic, biographical motion picture um, about Andy Kaufman. So, you got these multiple layers. The movie about a person, and this is a documentary about the making of that movie. So there's a lot of, um, you know, the introduction starts out talking about Andy Kaufman and talking about his... Um, Which I had no idea who Andy Kaufman was So my before watching that. I had to Wikipedia him. I'm, I'm sure tons of people did as well. Um, I, I had known of who he was, but what I had heard about him was actually much more... He died when I was super little. So. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I had heard things that were much more subversive from him, about him, than what was kind of portrayed in the movie. Like, I know this is weird, <laughs> because he was a very strange guy, but the movie made him seem a lot more normal than what I had thought about him. The movie made him seem normal? More normal. More so, normal. What, okay. yeah, what I had heard about him was that his comedy was all seemed schizo to me like well yeah but his comedy was all like anti-comedy so like you'd think he'd be telling jokes but instead he'd he'd just do things to he was just the anti-joke you know like um gosh i'm trying to think of an anti-joke well i mean yeah he would intentionally do things that like would be considered boring or maybe even controversial. Yeah. Just to, I don't know. To be I don't absurd. know why, but yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, to subvert your expectations. Yeah, yeah. And use that as a form of entertainment. Um, so I had heard like at a comedy club one time, um, he came up, you know, everyone cheered for him because everyone knew who he was. And he just stared at the crowd for like half an hour. Just walked around and stared at the crowd. Didn't say a word. And then left. And, you know, people that would are piss saying, me off. If well, I people paid, are saying, oh, this, that's brilliant. It's brilliant. If I paid because, to go see him and he just stared at me the whole time. Yeah. 
And I mean, I get it. It takes guts to do something like that, to completely like. I think the reading the Great Gatsby thing would actually be kind of funny. That too. That that was another one that I had heard. Yeah, is that stand up? He just and from what it showed in the movie, the little clip, he was like dressed up and he was trying to speak in a British accent, even though it's the Great American Novel. Um, weird. Uh, but he, yeah, for his comedy bit, he just read from the Great Gatsby. The whole time. It's like story time with Andy Kaufman. So that's kind of the stuff that I had heard about him. And so I thought he was just totally like bonkers. And I guess like coming from, not coming from SNL, but being on SNL, I also had this image of like, you know, a lot of the early SNL people were drug users. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a specific kind of like gonzo comedy that some of them were into, you know, like real physical, like Chris Farley stuff. Yeah, or, really theatrical, over the top. Kind yeah. Of stuff. Mm-hmm. Or um, why can't I think of his name? Belushi, Jim, John, John Belushi. Yeah, that that type of comedy where you can kind of tell they're on something, <laughs> um, but they're funny. So it's like, oh, I don't want to affirm your drug addiction. Yeah but you're acting like a crazy person and it's kind of funny because you're crazy. Anyways, um, so that was my idea of Andy Kaufman and this one did not portray him like that. Like I didn't know that he was on a sitcom for, you know, 10 years as a reoccurring character. Um, I didn't know... I don't know, I didn't know specifically about his characters that he would go into. Like it only portrayed a few of them. Um, But that it made it sound like they were reoccurring. Um, Like those were just his go-to people. So, I mean, it kind of grounded him a little bit more in my mind. Anyways, the movie is about Jim Carrey, like becoming Andy Kaufman for this movie and his kind of transformation. And Jim Carrey is a very weird dude. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing just made me sad, really. That makes sense. I I, I get it. He is like super new agey uh, to the point of like nihilistic almost, Mm -hmm. but like a positive nihilism. (laughs) Like not... Yeah, it's all over the place, really. Right, right, exactly. So he's like, I'm a part of the universe and the universe means nothing. (laughs) you know but instead of being like so much more than my titles but it all means nothing yeah it's just like dude pick something yeah yeah Uh, or i have no answers but this are these are my answers but they're wrong and it's all meaningless anyway isn't that awesome spread positivity you know it's like this total disconnect of like being able to judge what's positive and negative, but then having no basis to judge that from and having no um, point to anything and yet still finding meaning in the pointlessness. Yeah. So it's totally. Yeah. I think in like the ending of his interview, he said something about like religion being pointless, but I guess what he didn't realize is what he was saying is his own religion. So yeah he doesn't understand what like the meaning of religion like what yeah 
yeah, what does that mean? I mean, it's just a system of beliefs. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own religion, whether or not it's organized. Um, so it's just so yeah, it's the way you view the world. It's the way you live out what you believe. So, anyways, um, you know, it starts out and he talks about how he uh, Jim Carrey. He kind of explained, which I found really interesting, that he's kind of a he started off in comedy as trying to be basically an impressionist, like do a bunch of impressions, which I'm, I was surprised by because uh, I feel like he plays the same character <laughs> in all his comedy movies. That well, really I can see over him the being top. really good at impressions just because he can contort his face really well. Yeah. I mean, they showed a bunch of it. And he can do a lot of, yeah, voices. But. In the movie. And I was really impressed. Mm-hmm. I just, I just think of Jim Carrey and I think of like the nineties comedies that he did yeah, and Ace how Ventura he was always and over the top and he was always just like that. I mean, even the Grinch was like that, you know, and that's what I hated about that movie. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, full disclosure, I'm not a big Jim Carrey fan. Well, you're not a fan of his comedy. You actually yeah. think he's a really good actor. I do. I do. His, his serious movies. Yeah. I think he, comedy does this weird thing to people. Um, so this this is me getting analytical. I think that comedians are a lot per- of them have said this though that yeah they're, that they're sorry continue uh, no that's okay you know where I'm going yeah. you're reading my mind comedians I think are very needy people comedians are people who need an audience to feel valued mm-hmm. um, so they do things to get a to to get an audience to like them. You know, and that's why you go into comedy is to make people laugh. And so if you don't have You're anyone a people pleaser, yeah. Yeah. So if you don't have anyone laugh and, and sometimes you can do that by subverting comedy and getting people mad at you, but there's still that interaction with the audience. So they always tend to need um affirmation from people. And because of that, they often have to put on a facade when they tell jokes. They have to look like the person who has it together or the person who is totally into their comedy, who thinks that everything's funny and everything's a joke and everything's great. And that makes them particularly, you know, they decide to go down the route of comedy, but I think that makes them particularly good at acting in general because you have to put on this facade. Mm -hmm. So a lot of comedians... Um, a lot of good comedians, when they move over into acting, I've found, have actually been really good dramatic actors because they feel those things. Yeah. Like they, they actually have felt those things all along, the drama, the, the angst, the um, depression, despair that they couldn't ever put on in front of people because then people wouldn't like them. Um, just like, wait, you're supposed to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. So when Jim Carrey comes out, uh, what was that recently where he was at, um, like, a some award show. I thought it, I thought it was like a fashion show. Oh, maybe. And people were, there was an interview. There's this interview. I'm sure if you search for it or I can throw a link in the comments where, um, he's interviewed and he's basically like, oh yeah, life is meaningless. And this is the most pointless materialistic thing ever. I just decided to come for no reason, and I hate everyone well, here. That interview was uh, interviewer was also very rude. 
Yeah, because she kept trying to get him to say what he adamantly did not want to say, and he got upset. Well, his girlfriend had like just recently committed suicide. Yeah. And she started off the conversation by being like, so are you here like, looking for a good time? Yeah. Like, just like, shut your mouth and go away. Yeah. Like, you don't even know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. But like that kind of a thing is so jarring to us because you see Jim Carrey is the funny man, you know. Mm -hmm. So anyways, um, yes, I do think he's a really good actor, a serious actor. The Majestic is a really good movie. Mm -hmm. um, why can't I think of the name? They they referenced it multiple times in the movie. Uh, the Truman Show. There oh, you go. Yeah. Truman Show is great. I liked the number 23, but I haven't seen it in a long time. So it may not be actually good anymore. Um, I Eternal know Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, it's a good movie too. Weird, but good. Um, so yeah, I, I I respect him as a person. I'm just not a fan of his style of comedy. Although this movie showed that he is actually he does more than what I give him credit for. Um, just like yeah, the silly faces and the weird way that he walks and the very bombastic way that he does things. Um. So Jim and Andy, yeah, he, he, it's a lot about Jim Carrey. It's a lot about Andy Kaufman. It's a lot about Jim Carrey. Um, he explains how he feels like he was possessed by Andy Kaufman yeah, uh, throughout really the making of the movie. He stayed in character even when the, when the cameras weren't rolling. And so that made it a very difficult process, but a very effective process as an actor, you know, kind of like method acting. Um, so it is a very weird documentary. It's it's interesting to watch where it all goes. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd recommend it. It's just weird. Yeah, it is really weird. And I, don't, I guess I thought it was really sad. Just because, I don't know. It just seemed to me like, He's really like searching, you know, yeah. for answers mm -hmm. and just he's so far away. <laughs> like, Yeah. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you. What baffles me is when people are okay with no longer trying to find answers, if that makes any sense, where he's just totally fine with, oh, everything's meaningless. And it doesn't matter, but I'm going to, and, and, and completely doesn't live that way. He doesn't live like things are meaningless, but he acknowledges that things are meaningless and kind of like giving up and not, not continuing to search for the answers is what frustrates me. I don't know how you can live life that way, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I'm not saying that I have all the answers so that I can find all the answers. I know the one who does. Yeah. But. Um, I'm, a, I'm not content with everything that I know. Does that make sense? Like, I'm going to continue to search for more. Yep. I don't know. I don't know, man. So, yeah. Sorry, this isn't an episode about <laughs> a movie, but. <laughs> yeah, no, but. We talked a lot I about it. I guess it is now, <laughs> now that we've made an episode and um, talked about it. Um, yeah. How about you? You 
been watching anything or reading anything interesting lately? Um, I mean, what have I watched lately besides Cars? Because Ollie's obsessed with it right now. Um, yeah, I haven't really watched. I haven't really watched anything new. <gasps> Ooh, actually, that's dun, dun, dun. a lie. The third season of Broadchurch. So good. <laughs> if you haven't watched Broadchurch, watch Broadchurch because it's really good. Um, I haven't watched Broadchurch. But this third season, I I thought, or what I got away, or what I, sorry, got away, took away as the message, <clears throat> I was actually really surprised that this seemed like it was the message. Mm-hmm. Um, but that porn is bad and it turns men into sexual predators. Hey, oh, yep. Um, so basically I don't really think this is going to give anything away. Um, but throughout the season, all of their suspects. So like a, a rape happens and they're trying to figure out who, who done it? Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's such a nonchalant way of saying it. Who done the rape? <laughs> okay, Weird. maybe I shouldn't have said it like that. But anyways, sorry. Um, yeah, they're trying to figure out who who committed the atrocity of raping this woman, um, and all of their suspects have pornography issues mm-hmm. um and they're not they're not suspects because of their por- pornography issues like it just comes out that they have that issue um like all of them share that issue i think except for one guy but anyways um but yeah the the rapist turned out to have like a huge pornography issue and they were just like really kind of harping on that it seemed like like trying to bring that out like like this is wrong like her her kid gets in her kid and another kid when i say her kid i mean um the main woman detective okay um get in trouble at school because they were viewing pornography on their phones. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, she's like super pissed. Like that basically the whole time, the whole season, they paint pornography as bad. Like yeah. you shouldn't view pornography. Yeah. It's, it's perverted. Like it's disgusting. Yeah. And it causes, you know, an idolatry of sex and, mm-hmm. um, you know, a very unrealistic view of sex. Mm-hmm. And causes these men to do heinous things. Yeah. Sexual things. So um, I thought that was pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is really cool because, like, I feel like the culture, I feel like that's a radical thing to say. As As stupid as that is, I think it's radical to say that porn harms you and those around you. And the way yeah, you see the world. in our culture, definitely. Like, our culture is totally fine with it. 
Um, and you get these conflicting messages of like anything between two consensual adults is fine. So they paid her money. So abuse her on front of a camera, but don't ever treat an actual human being that way, but watch it all you want because she said it's okay. Like it just doesn't make any sense. The, the, the whole idea of the sexual revolution of, uh, well, we've, we've talked about this, but we listened to a, a podcast that I think put it very succinctly that the culture just sees sex as recreation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is mortification a, of spin. Yeah. That's a, that's a damning Todd Pruitt statement. Said that, yeah. Todd. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was, um, uh, <clears throat> Oh no, no, no. It wasn't Todd. It was, why can't I think of his name? Yeah, Carl there. Truman. There you go. Carl Truman. Yeah. So, so it's really interesting to have this, um, fairly popular TV show take a hard stance and say like, there is a problem with this. This becomes, it, it's an addiction. Like it has addictive qualities. So excuse me. It's not like a physical addiction, but it is, <clears throat> it is a physical addiction. Well, okay. So the only distinction that I would make is that physical addictions like heroin or cocaine when you, you can't just get off them cold turkey or your body will go into shock. I don't think that's the case with pornography. That's that's the distinction that I want to make. Yes, it's, it's addictive, certainly, but like you're not going to, your body is not going to freak out if you stop watching porn. If you go cold turkey, that's all. Not the same way that cocaine addicts like can physically die from not, uh, well, yeah. from just going cold turkey. That that's all I mean. That's the only distinction. But it it is highly addictive, and because of that, like you need more and more to get a fix, and you become numb to it. And then you, yeah, it changes the way you see the world, and you see other people as objects, and uh, no one wants to acknowledge that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like countless. Um, I I think of like comedies on TV that just take it totally nonchalantly. Um, I can't think of any, I, I feel like just other shows just don't address it at all ever, but, or in, they just joke about it. Yeah. It's, it's always a joke. It's like, yeah. Oh, of course. Of course you're looking at porn. Of course. It's just for granted. You have the internet. You look at porn, right? And it just, um, it's disgusting. <laughs> um, so so it's really interesting to have this show that, yeah, that takes this stance that says, hey, look at what this leads to, and that makes it a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't just joke about it, doesn't just sweep it under the rug, but sees kind of the horrifying conclusions. And I'm not saying that everyone who looks at porn will become a rapist, but I'm saying that it changes the way that you view sex. Yep. I, I think that's a blanket statement. Yep. Um, And... Well, no, I don't even want to qualify that. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. So, yeah. So, Broadchurch season three. Yes. Good stuff. I recommend it. Obviously, watch the first two seasons if you haven't watched it at all. Oh, man. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it's all good, right? Yeah. Uh, What's his name? I was going to say Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) No. That's not true. David Tennant. David Tennant. With his his actual Scottish accent, right? Yes. 
So, so awesome. I, I have to admit, when, when I came home from work and you were watching it, um, I saw a little clip that you were watching and he was speaking in a Scottish accent. And because I didn't see any of the other Broadchurch uh, seasons, I just thought, hey, it's Scrooge McDuck. Because <laughs> in the new DuckTales on Disney XD, uh, David Tennant plays Scrooge McDuck. Yep. And he just speaks normally because he has a thick <laughs> Scottish accent. Uh, so I thought it was really funny. I'm not even, I was, I was going to try and, and do a Scottish impression and I'm not good at that <laughs> at all. Uh, I want to, but I don't want it to be on mic. <laughs> don't offend our Scottish listeners. Scottish listeners. Oh my gosh. Why? <laughs> Sorry. This dumb Texan kid. Couldn't help it. Yeah, I couldn't. It was sort of off mic. Anyways. <laughs> um so i saw something the other day that i thought was really cool and has given me a lot to think about uh-oh um uh-oh <laughs> there he goes thinking again uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> sorry i'm gonna wake up our kids uh that was a reference to cloudy with a chance of meatballs good Just movie awesome movie you should watch it have a good time Anyways, yeah. In a horse. <clears throat> and sorry, I keep coughing and sniffing and all this nastiness. My throat's hurting. Um, my nose is a little stuffed up. So no, no. Whoa. <laughs> I just think of Andy Samberg. Whoa. <laughs> all right. What, what did you? What did yes. you learn? So. Um, as you may know, I think I've said this multiple times, uh, reading through the Bible, so coming up to the end here in December. So I started Revelation the other day, and um, something stuck out to me. So Revelation starts out, John has this vision, he sees Jesus, which, dude, is such a cool um, description of Jesus, like, eyes like fire and white hair and like holding seven stars and feet like bronze. And it's it's just like this crazy picture. If you try to imagine it, I mean, I mean, unless you believe that it's a sin to imagine what the Bible describes, but that's for another, that's a topic for another day. All right. All right. (laughs) All right. All right. right. (laughs) Uh, yeah, we can, we can do that later. Um, (laughs) <clears throat> so that's that's kind of crazy. But I mean, I think I think what it's saying there is just the majesty and power and victory that Jesus has. Um so anyways, he Jesus is in this vision to John and then he he tells John to write these letters to the seven churches. Um so if you're into what numbers meant to the Israelites, they had a little bit of numerology going on. Um so in general, the number seven talks about completion. Uh, something is complete with seven, you know, like there are seven days of the week God created for seven days, or he rested on the seventh day, but like he had a seven day cycle, which, um, yeah, just, just think of when you think of seven, when you see things in sevens, generally the scripture is trying to refer to that thing being complete. So Jesus tells John to write to these seven churches. So he's talking about the churches that are, you know, scattered throughout the earth, basically. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we see this as scripture, because um, 
well, because it's literally from the mouth of Jesus, but also because um, it is to be dispersed to these churches. Like it to go, it's to go out to all of the churches, and I would say for all time. Um, so you see the descriptions of these churches. Generally, Jesus is saying what they do well. I mean, he starts out like almost everyone. I, I haven't read through all of them, um, but he starts out almost everyone talking about how well they're doing. Encouraging them. Encur- yeah, that's the word. Encouraging. And then he moves into what they're what they need to repent of. Correcting, yeah. Correcting. Dang. He got this like all uh uh, categorized. I was going to say compartmentalized. That's not right. Categorized properly. Um, so as I was reading through, there were just a couple things that I noticed that um, were really interesting. And it made me like, it just challenged me to think more deeply about the church and the people in the church. So let's take a look. Um, okay. So this is in Revelation 2. Uh, to the church in Ephesus. So I'm just going to look at at verse six. So generally the church in Ephesus, um, Jesus says that they, they're doing great works, but they've, you know, forgotten their first love that, uh, that passage is quoted a lot in the, in church. And I think it's a great passage. It's a great thing to remember. Um, but I, I just want to just fly over this one verse um, six Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Um, I did a quick little Google search, and it says, according to Theopedia slash Nicolaitans, the Nicolaitans were one of the heretical sects that plagued the church at Ephesus and at Pergamum, according to Revelation 2. Irenaeus identifies them as followers of Nicholas, one of the seven chosen in Acts 6, and as men who lead lives of unrestrained indulgence. Mm. So it's probably like the, um, oh, what's the theological term? Um, I was going to say nominalism. It's not nominalism. It's uh, But basically anti-law, antinomian. There you go. Antinomian. So like, because we're forgiven, we can do whatever we want. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, kind of that cheap grace. Like, we can continue in sin because... Uh, grace abounds and it covers all of our sin. So just do whatever you want till Jesus comes back. That's kind of the idea. I could be wrong on that, but that's kind of the idea I'm getting from it. Anyways, just to say that Ephesus hated the works of the Nicolaitans and God commended them for that. You know, they rejected that heresy of cheap grace. But as we move along, um, the church in Smyrna, which is like the perfect church that is suffering hardcore, um, the one church that Jesus doesn't say anything negative, like he doesn't correct anything. He just comforts and encourages, mm. which is pretty awesome. And then you move on to uh, the church in Pergamum. So I don't necessarily want to read all of this, um, but I'll start in verse 13. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast to my name and you did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who is killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. Um, so, so he does start off. What's interesting to me is that he does address Pergamum as a church. So he's not saying that they um, are all heretics. You know, he calls them a church and you hold fast to my name. You didn't deny my faith. 
um, even when, you know, my witness was killed, even though you're in the place where Satan dwells. And then he goes on to correction and specifically in verse, um, well, no, 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 let's see, 14, he says, um, well, I guess I'll just continue from where I was. Uh, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, if not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Um, again, what's interesting to me is that, like, Jesus charges them with the same thing that he commended another church for rejecting. He says that you love these things. You practice um, eating food sacrificed to idols, and you practice sexual immorality. And um, I just think of, like, churches today, and if you see that within a church, I kind of don't show any grace, and I kind of just throw out that they're they're not qualified to be a church, right? I mean, like, if they have rampant sexual immorality going on within the church, like, that's obviously not a true church, right? But Jesus does say that they're a true church. He does say that they love him and hold fast to him. At the same time... So is he just, like, I don't know, I guess... How I'm thinking of it is like there are people within the church who are believers and then there are people within the church who like, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of like a physical building. <laughs> yeah. Like or within we, a city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like there are some people like, obviously there are people within our church who are saved and there are people within our church who aren't mm-hmm. like would claim the name of Jesus, but who aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who practice wickedness and who yeah. have not repented. Mm-hmm. Who, Yeah. Haven't been saved. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not all who say Lord, Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But is is that what he's saying? Well, he does say, uh, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. So yes, I do think he's making a distinction here of those who practice these things are not, um, those are the people that he is going to war with, Mm -hmm. not necessarily the true Christians within the church. Um, It just has kind of like made me think, yeah, just like don't write off an institution, excuse me, don't write off a church, not an institution, (laughs) um, for, I guess, the sin of its members, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like there could be deeper issues, yes, but Jesus still loves this church. Yeah, Jesus still considers this a true church where there are true Christians, which I thought was super cool. And then he goes on um, to the church in Thyatira, and it's it's very similar. Um, verse 19, I know your works, your love and your faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. It's like you're doing great. Like you are continuing to 
to reach out and to do great things for the cause of Christ. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works." Um, but to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. So again, you get this picture, and, and I think, I think this picture is kind of... Um, I think it's very applicable to today. You get this picture of a Jezebel. Well, of, and I, yeah, the word tolerate really stuck out to me mm-hmm. um, because I think that American evangelical churches tolerate a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so so the characteristics of this Jezebel. She calls herself a prophetess. She's teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. So what was meant to be given to God, they're giving to idols. They're following after idols mm-hmm. and they're practicing sexual immorality because of this woman who calls herself a priestess. Now, whether or not you want to say that's an actual woman, I think the picture is still there. Like the image of a woman is there and there, there's a, point to it being a woman and mm-hmm. not a man um well i mean I, i'm just gonna again fly over this real quick you can disagree if you want to but paul says that the woman was deceived you know adam and eve that eve was deceived mm-hmm. um so we see like the initial difference in sin between adam and eve is that eve is more prone to deception whereas adam is more prone to outright blatant sin mm-hmm. like adam knew what he was doing and he sinned eve was deceived and she sinned mm-hmm. so um that saying like this is this is a prophetess this is someone who calls herself a prophetess and leads people into sin with her seduction um so taking even taking what's beautiful about a woman and twisting that into a lure um to seduce people so you get this really strong picture. And, and of course, you know, he calls her Jezebel. You think of who Jezebel was, yeah. um, the wife of Ahab. And she led the people into um, what God calls the whoring of Israel, you know, out to did other gods. Did he call her, sorry, can you, did he call her this Jezebel or did he call her Jezebel? But I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Oh, that woman Jezebel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I would be hard-pressed to think that this is an actual woman. I think Revelation is highly um, emblematic. Like, it uses a lot of word pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so almost everything in this form of apocalyptic literature are pictures of other things. So I don't think it's a particular woman. I think it's just getting at these things about 
womanhood. Like, it's much more easy for a woman to seduce a man than a man to seduce a woman, you know, because of her looks, because of her beauty that she uses. So, so things like this that are inherent in this image of a prophetess. Um, so you see the strong image of this prophetess and what she does to lead people away to lead the church away. Mm -hmm. And it particularly says in sexual immorality, you know, you think of that time and the, the time of the Romans, like rampant sexual immorality was occurring all over the place. Um, I read something at the temple of Aphrodite at one point, um, there was like a hundred or excuse me, a thousand cult prostitutes that were employed there, um, both men and women. So like there are, I mean, I can't even imagine that as bad as America is like, imagine um, a nightclub that is openly that has open prostitutions and over a thousand people are, are employed there. I mean, it's just, it's sickening, but that's the world that, that these Christians lived in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would so, say we, we definitely have that today is just much more under the radar. Well, and it's in different forms. It's not as open and yeah. accepted. It's not. Pornography is accepted, but I don't think prostitution is highly accepted across the board. We have we have laws against it, so I don't think it's I don't think it's that bad. Um, but other forms of sexual perversion are certainly more rampant. Well, I mean, is pornography really that different from prostitution? <laughs> yes, yes, I do think it is. Well, you have women getting paid to have sex with these men on camera. Mm-hmm. A woman getting paid to have sex is a prostitute. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I think it's different. You know, I, I don't want to take up all our time, but I do think it's different um, that that was a one-time act versus an, a reoccurring um, uh, profession. Now, of course, I'm pornography pretty, is a profession, but yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying they people, coincide, right? Th- they're similar. Yes. But I, I think prostitution is worse than pornography. That's, that's what well, I'm saying. I'm saying in that terms prostitution of is part of pornography. Yes. Yes. I agree. But I, I think in terms of like the effects that it has, that prostitution is worse. That's all that I'm saying. Um, in, in the consequence and in the intensity of, of the of the sin i think it's worse i don't know i don't don't know if this is what we want to talk about now no i'm just saying you can't have one without the other yeah Mm -hmm. yeah no they're very similar i I don't deny that but i do i mean it's it's kind of like jesus said if you you know if you're angry at your brother if you burst out in anger then it's like you've murdered him right um it's the same sin so i agree that both pornography and prostitution are the same sin in your heart but i think actually murdering someone has more consequence it is Mm -hmm. worse in that sense than being angry at someone in the same sense i think that prostitution is worse because it has more consequence um for everyone involved than pornography anyways anyways you yeah, we can disagree. We can talk about this more <laughs> if we want to. Um, but and it's slight. Like I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying it's as the chasm is as great as like anger and murder. I don't think it's that great. I think they're very similar. Um, pornography and prostitution. But I think if our if our culture openly bra- embraced prostitution, I think it. I think we would be worse. Right. 
because it's openly embraced pornography, but I think we would be worse off if we openly embraced prostitution. Mm. Um, so this culture did openly embrace prostitution. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, so you think like the church would be very tempted to embrace that as well. And forgive me for making the correlation, but I think it's similar to like today where we see clear, um, scripture that talks about sexuality, homosexuality, even, even perversion of, of heterosexuality. Yeah. Uh, I've heard Christians defend uh, watching pornography with your wife. I've and I say Christian lightly because I don't know their heart. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I have heard leaders within Christian churches that I would highly disagree with, who <laughs> who have defended watching pornography with your wife. I've heard um, I've heard many Christians defend the act of masturbation. Um. Things that I I think are clearly sexual immorality mm-hmm. that um, that people within the church would disagree with, primarily because of the culture that yeah. we live in, and we see that that that's I think what these churches in Revelation were up against as well. That it's so open within the sexual immorality is so rampant within their culture that they are tempted in the church to do the same things. Like we've always worshipped Aphrodite this way, can't we worship Yahweh this way? Something as simple as that. Um, and yes, you worship God through sex, but it's totally different. You worship him through a committed marriage relationship between a man and a woman and the sex that happens in that. Yeah. And only the way that context. he has created it and ordained it. To exactly. Be. Exactly. And then it is a beautiful act of worship. Yeah. Um, so again, what stuck out to me so much about the scripture is that God actually talks about these things going on within the church and still affirms them as churches. Like maybe it, our God is so loving, is so gentle with us that he even started out. Jesus starts out, I see what you're doing and you are doing so well. Like your works are greater than they were at first. Your love for me shows in what you're doing and how you're reaching out and how uh, you are doing great things to advance the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But this I have against you, but this is wrong. What's going on. Right. And he doesn't, it, it's not like, it's not like, yeah, you're doing so well. You might want to just, you know, clean up this side <laughs> of things. It's like, it's like, you know, these things you are doing well good job on those mm-hmm. this is wrong and you need to repent yeah like it there are two like he's not beating around the bush mm-hmm. he's not fluffing it up yeah you know he's not worried about your feelings right he's speaking truth yeah yeah definitely because he uses some harsh language in here mm-hmm. that I'll, I'll read again in a second um, I just think that that distinction, like it's so masterfully written because there's this distinction between like the church as a whole and doing good things, loving Jesus and following Jesus. And then also being deceived, like those same people are being deceived by this seductress 
this prophetess who says that she's from God. You know, a prophet is someone who speaks the word of God. Mm -hmm. So she calls herself, she is saying, I am speaking the word of God to you. Commit sexual immorality with me. You know, do the things that the culture is doing. And so I think that has a lot of context to today. There are all kinds of teachers that seduce Christians to commit terrible acts who attribute to God um, their own feelings and their own thoughts and cause you to, who encourage you to chase after um, emotion and to chase after your own sensuality. That's mm-hmm. the word I'm thinking of. Whatever you feel is best is what God is saying. I I think that's rampant within the church to, to today. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Stuttering. That's weird. Well, our culture is so focused on feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately we tolerate that as mm-hmm. church. Um, we're so worried about, not hurting someone's feelings that we don't call them to repentance and give them the truth. Yeah. You know, we skirt around it instead. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't helping anyone. (laughs) Right. Right. And again, I just come back to the passage and it is so well done because it's out of an encouragement and it's an out of a love for the church. Right to repent of your sins and to follow yes, Christ. It is loving. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's not uh, it's not condemnation for condemnation's sake. Like I see what was convicting to me is like I see this sensuality in our culture and in other churches and I just kind of write off. Okay. For instance, uh, I'll just go extreme like Benny Hinn, okay? Guy's crazy. <laughs> Um, he has a huge following, Creflo Dollar. You know, the dude is all about money. He has a huge following. I automatically assume falsely that anyone who listens to them, I don't know, I, I would question their Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's proper because I don't think that's what Jesus is doing here. Right. Now, certainly you have to... Like, I mean, you can see deeper. from their fruit, from Benny Hinn and Creflo Dollar, that they are not right believers. Right, right. But um, I should not automatically assume that anyone who then therefore listens to them or follows them on Twitter, therefore, is not a Christian. Right. Um, certainly, they can be deceived. But um, but I shouldn't treat them as non-Christians. Like, I shouldn't. And, and this is where I'm, I'm trying to parse it out for myself. This is why I'm saying, like, I have a, it gives me a lot to think about. I think Jesus shows so much grace in this passage and so much strength at the same time. And that's what I'm seeking to show. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Um, because, like, like you said, he does use strong language. I mean, listen to this. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, you know, talking about sexual immorality, like she's going to die from her sins. And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and heart. 
and I will give each of you according to your works. So yeah, he's not just going to let this go. Um, like you will receive. He's also just yeah. as well as <laughs> full of grace and yeah. love. So, so th- there are consequences. I mean, you think of the picture of sexual immorality. Like there are consequences for sexual sin, um, STDs, <laughs> yep. you know, and they ravage your body mm-hmm. and you die. A painful, horrible death because of your sexual immorality. And spiritually, that's what happens as well. Mm-hmm. You're corroded spiritually. Um, so. Well, and if you, if you look at the Old Testament and how God talks about sexual immorality and the consequence for sexual immorality, which mm-hmm. was death, mm-hmm. it makes sense why Jesus here is saying the things he's saying is um, being, I wouldn't say that he's being harsh. I would say that he's being just. Yeah, no, Um, it's strong. Yeah, but some would say that that's really harsh (laughs) because of how much we tolerate sexual immorality in our culture Mm -hmm. because of how it is the norm. Yeah. And if... If we were still living out God's law, the way he appointed it, you would die for your sexual immorality. Well, yeah, if we were a theocracy. I mean, I think those laws were given to his people for a specific time period and a specific governmental system. Um, Yeah, if we had a theocratic country and set up our laws as the old testament did sure i, I don't think that means that we well i don't think god people. has changed his mind about how much he hates sexual immorality no but i think that's the point is that he hates it i don't think the point is that we ought to m- kill people who commit sexual sin today i think that was for israel but i don't think that's for us today i kind of disagree oh yeah okay well maybe our next episode will be on theocracy then and whether or not that's for today and what what god wants us yeah if we're supposed to live out the old law today (laughs) there we go there we go hey this could be cool we could have a debate (laughs) next episode cool i like it (laughs) of course i've got a bunch of schoolwork to do before then so hopefully i'll have time to actually actually kind of research a little bit but um hey you heard it here first folks we disagree on some things (laughs) let's battle it out all right well is there anything else you wanted to bring to the floor the floor the floor (laughs) um i don't know i i uh i've been reading in the the gospels just going through the birth story portion of the gospels um cool and it's actually it's been really awesome because i mean it's god's word so it's awesome but our last episode where we talked about um inerrancy biblical inerrancy um something that we kind of touched on was the evidential part of inerrancy Mm -hmm. um 
And so I, I've been reading the NASB translation and something that's really cool about that translation is that it use a, it uses a specific um, font anytime that uh, they reference back to the Old Testament um, so that you know that they're referencing the Old Testament, mm-hmm. which I thought was really awesome because it, it just sort of, to me, it proves the just the inerrancy of the Old Testament and scripture as a whole itself, just how these things are, you know, they're referencing back to what the prophet said and how those things are coming about. Yeah, fulfillment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, you see that the culmination of the fulfillment of prophecy in Jesus. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, to see that, to actually study that out and to see all that that, is like it's not just a few things like Mm -hmm. it is a ridiculous amount of prophecies through you know the course of thousands of years Mm -hmm. you know at least four thousand years of prophecy all culminating in this one person and oh man (laughs) i'm getting excited now because like (laughs) i remember when i was reading through it i don't know if it was last year christmas time or if it was just earlier this year um but even when it talks about how like Jesus and his family moved from one place to another. You know, they were in um, what? Yeah. He was born in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. But then like they were driven out of there because of Herod and how he wanted to kill Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so like moving around to Nazareth and to Egypt. I want to say, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I, mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm Egypt, not crazy. Yeah. Um, and how like each time they move, the scripture references mm-hmm. the prophecy that he came out of these places. Cause mm-hmm. like as an old Testament. Yeah. When they ended up in Nazareth, I think that's the last place they ended up. Mm-hmm. And then it quoted back to, I don't remember. I don't think, I don't think it said which prophet said it, okay. but it the said, prophets. yeah, it said yeah. the prophet said that he would be called a Nazarene. Yeah. Just like, Oh, that's so cool. Right. Right. <laughs> Cause like, as I mean, as an Old Testament Christian, as a Jew, you would see these prophecies and you'd be like, this is talking about six different people, right? <laughs> like, how can he come from all these different places? Well, God knows what he's doing and he specifically set things up. I mean, it's not like Joseph and Mary were like, had a blueprint of the way they were going to raise right. their children and like the way that Herod was going to persecute them, mm-hmm. <laughs> how they were going to be in danger of their lives. Like, this is how God works and orchestrates things perfectly so that um, even while we're working out our lives and, and, and doing our thing, like he is guiding everything to be the perfect um, culmination of his plan, yep. his story being lived out in our lives, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. It's like you, you look at these things and you're, you're so encouraged that, um, but like you said, it just bolsters your faith and mm-hmm. how Jesus, the evidentialism, like this is evidence that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So amazing. Ugh, well, and just like, it. just really trying to like put yourself there, like at the birth 
I, I just can't even imagine. I, I can't I can't fathom looking at our like the God of the universe in the form of a baby. Yeah. Like I can't even imagine mm-hmm. how how in awe they must have been yeah. of this little baby. Mm-hmm. Who was the creator of the universe? Yeah. Like, like sh- they held the creator of the universe in their arms. Like, it's, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, that's so cool. It's a wonderful mystery because of the twofold nature of Christ, how he was human and how he gave up some of his. No, no, that's not the right word. Um, you know, the scripture says that he emptied himself. Um, so yes, he was fully God, but he was also well, fully Well, if you saw man. the fullness of his glory, right. you die. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's why I, I don't mean to take away from what you said, but it, it, I'm just saying it's a mystery. Like we don't understand it. Um, and we, especially us who are 2000 years removed from the actual event, mm-hmm. like I can't, I can't imagine what jesus even what he looked like you know like who he was when you saw him and scripture says that he looked like a normal man he's just a normal jewish dude you know um what a great and wonderful mystery Mm -hmm. yeah oh there's so much i mean we could talk about that (laughs) for a long time what the the humility of god Hmm. like what and what does he have to be humble about (laughs) nothing but he chose to come as a baby come as a in weakness and in uh vulnerability obviously again like god orchestrates all things and and god um made it so that he would not that he was perfect. Like, obviously he wasn't going to, you know, Mary didn't get punched in the stomach (laughs) when, when Jesus was, um, when she was pregnant with Jesus, like, you know, obviously he would not have been killed. He would not have been hurt because God is sovereign. Mm -hmm. But at the same time to show that humility and that vulnerability for a people who time and time again have Mm -hmm. forsaken their, the gift of being his people. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just in awe. What an amazing story. Like what other, what other belief system has their God condescending? None, none. It, yeah. None. In the form of showing humility, showing because love. Because in most other religions or cultures, that would be extremely offensive. Yeah, yeah. The love of God yeah. is offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you take you take all these things and you have to balance them because, you know, other cultures would find the justice of God to be more, um, you have to hold that higher. You know, in a lot of, you just think of previous cultures and how they were more, um, you had to, you know, defend your land. You had to... Uh, have very strong leadership and so you attribute that to god they had to their god had to be very just 
mm-hmm. um, had to be righteous, had to be brutal at times. Um, and you see the justice of God in Jesus, but also how our God is loving above all. Like his, his, in his justice, he's loving. <laughs> Think about that for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's part of his glory. Yeah. Uh, and with that, <laughs> I think we're done. We'll just leave you there. Keep pondering <laughs> what it means, especially in this time. It's such a cool time of the year when, um, with all the commercialization. Christmas. Yeah. Lights um, on the tree. Still, to stop and think about what actually occurred and what we have some semblance of celebration towards. <laughs> um, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, do you have any recommendations? Recommendations. For the next week. Actually, I do. There is a um, really good episode of a podcast called Knowing Faith. Okay. Um, it's with uh oh, what are all their names? Uh I know Jen Wilkin is on it. Um Oh cool. And I can't remember the other guys' names. Sorry. Um but they did an episode about basically just the misconceptions about the birth story. Oh, interesting. Um, and I thought it was really good. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, um, the title of it. Uh, well, the podcast is called knowing faith from the village church. Uh, and the episode is called three wise men walk into a barn. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Dang, man. I feel like that could be, I would love to have that title. <laughs> that is fantastic. It was really good. I liked it. Awesome. So. Awesome. I'm like racking my brain over here for recommendations. <laughs> uh, but the one that I have is very, it comes with so many um, uh, disclaimers that I don't even know that I want to share it as a recommendation. Oh. I don't even know if that I'd recommend it. Well, then so I don't know. Probably, I mean, is is it inappropriate in any way? Yes and no, not sexually, but because uh, that's usually what we mean when we say inappropriate. <laughs> no, but I mean there's blasphemy, <laughs> basically. Oh. Um. Well, okay, I'm just I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw it out there, and people um, will judge you as they will. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So we mentioned um, we mentioned a few episodes ago that Derek Webb released a song. Um, and actually it's come out that my interpretation of that song was probably not correct. Um, but actually your interpretation was more close to what he, he meant. What was my interpretation? Um, that he's actually praising alcohol with the song. Oh. Instead of like, I just took it as a, as a jab at modern worship, Uh but I think his intention was actually to have a a song about alcohol styled as a worship song. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, that's why I say like, yeah, there's blasphemies. How far he has fallen. Yeah. Well, he's made a podcast about it actually. 
It's called The Airing of Grief. It's where he talks to people about, um, I mean, he, he center, he's centering the episodes around each of the songs on the album, but where he just has conversations with people and he's asking them where they are. Um, and he's getting like pushback on what he says and getting encouragement about his songs and where he is in life and sharing kind of his story. Um, the reason that I listen to it is because I think these are questions and issues that a lot of people have, and they are things that we as Christians ought to be thinking through um, in order to talk to people about the truth. Mm-hmm. So um, it is a very hard podcast to listen to because you hear people, primarily people who, who go through tragic things, who go through some form of trauma, and they are questioning whether God is real or not. There's a lot, like most of the people that he has on the podcast are people who don't necessarily believe in God anymore, but were at one time very involved in the church. And so it's heartbreaking to listen to. It is, it's difficult to listen mm-hmm. to. Like I get frustrated because I'm just like, why can't you see this? Like, why isn't your relationship with Jesus stronger than that well did they ever really have a relationship exactly exactly and i don't mean i don't mean to judge their heart but um yeah well i think if you go through a hard time and you're like and your conclusion from it is that god isn't real then you probably weren't i think jesus specifically spoke to that in the the first place in the parable of the seed and the sower um, being choked out by the world and by difficulties. Um, so I tread lightly here because, again, I don't want to judge their heart because I think I think Christians experience times of intense doubt, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's bad. And, that, and that's why I listen to this podcast. Well, there's a difference between having doubt mm-hmm. and then actually believing that it doesn't exist. Right, and Derek Webb is going back and forth between that. Mm right now and in this podcast and it's it's dangerous because some of the things that he says i'm just like i understand that he's sharing his heart but at the same time i'm just like oh i can't believe you just said that like i'm, I'm surprised you're still standing right now because <laughs> waiting for lightning to strike yeah but Oof. you do also see in the in the psalms you know the writers of the Psalms questioning God, questioning God's goodness and his justice and asking, where are you? Oh God, why haven't you rescued me? So these, but they always come back to praising him. Yes. Yes. Almost always 99.99% of the time. Yes. Um, yes. I, so, sorry, all these things are why I'm not even sure that I would recommend this necessarily, <laughs> but just an explanation of why I'm listening to it is to think through the issues that people are having. And I've already noticed some threads of of some of the things that people are talking about. I mean, it is primarily trauma or tragedy that causes people to question their faith. Um, another thing that I noticed is that a lot of the people who... Um, are going through um, these times of, of, of doubt and questioning their faith 
often see their circumstances and what they've gone through, the tragedy they've gone through as something outside of themselves and something that they did not contribute to, Mm. which is really strange to me, Um, especially coming from Derek Webb. If you know his story, it was something that he did. Um, He he was unfaithful to his wife. Uh, It's public information, so that's why I'm sharing it. And subsequent divorce and his, um, the way that his church handled it, he was very burned by. I don't know the specifics. Um, I would assume that they handled it well from a biblical standpoint, but he does not think so. Right, right. Um, And so, like, he questions God. The way that I'm seeing this is he's questioning God because of that, and that breaks my heart. Mm. because so you you said questioning god and you also said questioning their faith mm-hmm. i think there's a big difference between questioning god and then questioning your faith like, okay so he would say and he has said on his podcast that he wants to know if there is a god he would rather believe that there is a god but he wants to have certainty and so okay well then (laughs) then what well then where's the belief where's the faith Mm -hmm. yeah he well in that sense yeah i guess he doesn't want to have faith he wants to have certainty that god is real and so he's questioning everything that he's known about god like i would say i'm certain because of my faith right Mm mm-hmm yeah, but if you're trying to put that, certainty before faith, you're not going to get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's certainly a number of convincing arguments, but I, yeah, I don't think certainty is something that we are given. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. Anyways, so it is a very complex and dark podcast. <laughs> uh, there is language. They use, uh, there are lots of F-bombs. Uh, or a fair smattering of F-bombs. Well, he's never really shied away from no. language. No, he hasn't. And and this is why, th- well, this is another thing I respect about him and this podcast is that it is very open and honest. Like, he's even taken feedback. Like, there have been people on, on the podcast who've talked about, um, dude, you're wallowing in self-pity. And I enjoy the music, but that's what you're doing. Um, and he's taken that. And, like, he's, you know, appreciated the feedback. Like, I think he is doing this out of a place of honesty. It just breaks my heart to see. Mm-hmm. That's all. Um, so the I can process. encourage the honesty while uh, denouncing the blasphemy. <laughs> um, so if you are willing to kind of take that on and to, and I don't, I wouldn't say that it's bear someone else's burdens, but to think through these things and to understand you are going to disagree with most everything said on this podcast, Mm -hmm. then I would encourage you. Then in that sense, it's a recommendation Um, in a sense of like equipping yourself to talk to people who have these same questions, to think through these questions of, of faith in God. Um, I would encourage you to listen, but if you're not in a place where that would be encouraging at all, like, I, I totally understand why you would not want to listen to it. But that is the airing of grief podcast. 
So that's my 15 minutes on (laughs) recommendation. It seems like that industry is so hard on Christians. Isn't it? It like chews them up and spits them out, man. Like, ugh. Well, and I mean, I, I, I don't think I can even like number the amount of like Christian artists yep. that have just completely like denounced their faith mm-hmm. eventually because of the influence the industry has had on them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I was struck by this in a, in a sermon prep meeting yesterday, reading through Nehemiah about um, like the genealogies that are given in scripture in particular in Nehemiah and how um, God knows people. He knows Mm -hmm. them personally. And what stuck out to me is that, you know, it lists all these people who are working on the wall in Nehemiah and how God wanted all their names in the scripture and how that's the opposite of Christian celebrity. Yeah. Like God doesn't see celebrity. Mm -hmm. He sees his people, each person. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think I think that's part. Maybe that's just what's speaking to me now because that has come to my mind recently, just as recent as yesterday. But like, I mean, this is what happens when you create celebrities out of people who are never supposed to be. Like, that's mm-hmm. we're not created to be celebrity. Um, we're created to be a community, and in this case, his community. Like he pushed himself out of community, and again, I don't know the details. I don't know what happened in terms of that but um when you when you prop people up to be even an idol in service to god it doesn't end well (laughs) because then who are they following Mm -hmm. so man anyways i can't imagine like also just how Sandra must feel like watching her husband go yeah. through this. Just yeah. like I mean, I, I would be thinking like, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know their relationship, but you have to imagine like I'd imagine any adultery is a shock. Oh yeah. You know, especially between two professing Christians. So yeah, that whole, that whole, uh, circumstance is just tragic. So we should be praying for them. Definitely. And I think, you know, honestly, that, that, that's another reason why I I try and listen to these types of things that I disagree with is, um, it does, certainly send me to my knees that's is that a, why you listen to bad christian i don't listen to bad christian oh you don't anymore no okay. no i stopped listening to that a long time ago they, that was uh those dudes are frustrating for a whole other reason like they are those dudes are while i would not christian excuse me while i would not question their christianity and their love for jesus um kind of like these people in revelation we're talking about I'd say they have things in their lives they need to correct, mm-hmm. but I would not say that they're not Christians. I, I believe that they're brothers in Christ. Um, I just, uh, gosh, they're the type of people who would 
present these questions and then not attempt to answer them like not even try then they'd just be like okay if you answer us like you're going too deep i don't want to go there i'm more surface level but this is a pretty cool question right and i'm just like ah dude you know like i remember the one of the dudes joey who's a pastor was like questioning the inerrancy of scripture and uh like bringing up these arguments and i'm just like dude follow that argument to its logical conclusion like actually search out answers for your questions don't just pose questions <laughs> you know so um so yeah i stopped listening to them a while ago as much as i, I in love the those inerrancy dudes. of scripture then why would you be a pastor well because of the general reliability of scripture i don't know i don't know ask completely him. inconsistent ask him. yeah it um Right. And that's why we did last week's episode, right? Um, Listen to it. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, I don't know why you use that voice. I don't um, know. But I think we've rambled on enough. Yeah, sorry. Um, this and is I probably hope, a super long episode. Well, and I hope, uh, I, I just want to say. We've been talking that, for almost two hours. hey That we don't, I don't want to leave this on a negative note. Um, so I hope you don't take it as a negative there is a hurting world out there and we ought to as christians be reaching out and um because we our god is the ultimate comfort so. yeah yeah we the light of the world has come into the darkness mm -hmm. and we have that light like, to share dwelling mm -hmm. with us which is so cool so i would just encourage you to this to share that yeah as I'm cheesy as that is I'm, I'm thinking john you know <laughs> yeah. like first john the light was coming into the world yes. um so so be that light be that source of encouragement be that show your how your true joy is found in christ in all things um so even in the midst like this is why i look into the darkness is to shine the light more um so i would encourage you to do the same thing there we go yeah i think we're done if if you think that you can handle that. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you said, if you're not in a good place, right? if you think that it's just going to. If it's just going to get you upset, yeah. don't listen to it. If it's going to. Yeah. If I listened to it, it would probably just make me really sad. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get it. All right. Well, if you want to talk to us, you can catch us on Twitter. We'd always love uh, more suggestions of things yes, to talk please. about. Yes, please. Oh my goodness. We're every single like day before we record, we're just like, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. But then we end up talking about random stuff and here we are for a few hours. It's pretty cool. I like talking with you. I like talking with you too. Yo. But yeah, hit us up uh, Twitter where our handle is at so underscore talk to me and uh, on Gmail or email. Yeah, you can email us at <laughs> uh, so talk to me podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, share with your friends. All that fun stuff. I don't care. We'll do whatever you want. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you because we enjoy doing this and we want to keep it going because fun. Can they rate us? Uh, yeah, you can rate us on iTunes if you want to. I don't know that we have any ratings at all. Uh, yeah, if you want to do that, that'd be cool. We'll get some feedback on what you enjoy, what you yeah. don't enjoy. If I ramble too much, you know, give us that, um, 
I'm going to steal from Doctrine and Devotion that honest five-star review. <laughs> yeah. If, yes. Yes, exactly. If it's honest, <laughs> give it to us. If it's five stars, we would, you know, we'd like that a lot. It would help fuel our pride. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Then uh, don't no, do it, that. <laughs> it, would, it would be encouraging to hear. Uh, and we did, we did actually get an email this past week of encouragement. And that was so cool to, to hear. You know, yeah. we're not just shooting this off into the ether, but people are listening. Thanks, Ted. Super cool. Yeah. Ted, you're awesome. Love you, bro. All right. Well, till next time, uh, we're signing off. So go talk to someone. Your spouse. Talk to your spouse or to other people. Go be a light. In the darkness. Bye. See you.